Welcome back to In the Cut. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Spring break. Like, this I mean, after the Blackfoot Pen episode, that was pretty cool. A couple people hit us up trying to keep that conversation going. Um, much appreciated. Very interesting, like, the reaction to that episode. But today, we have two of our homies, Farah and Giovanni, and we're going to be talking about Cuba. Yeah. So, people told us like take all these pictures and stuff um when we were there and it was just hard to really document things um or like because well for me because like there was very limited wi-fi i wasn't always on my phone so i just didn't feel a need to but why don't you guys introduce yourselves because you guys are really amazing people hey i'm farah um i am a mother of two cats uh that i gave birth to on mind and um, <laughs> that I recently found out I was allergic to. That yeah, at my house, still chewing on things from Cuba in the midst of schooling. Yeah, where do you go? She to doesn't even go here though. Mm. I don't go here. I don't go here. I'm a Drexel. What? Mr. What? <laughs> Drexel in the house? Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm doing a fellowship at Camera, which is a really dope organization. Stephanie would know about. Um. And. I'm like pen adjacent. I worked at ICA for a minute, and I'm starting the um, MFA MSW program in the fall. Oh, 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 oh. I didn't know. Okay. People didn't know it. People didn't know it. Teams. Cool. Thank you. What's up, Giovanni? How's it going? How's it going? Uh, my name's Giovanni. If um, yes. you might have, some people may have heard me on the other DP podcast. Oh uh, lord. Oh. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm out here. Um, Bottoms on top with Ian and John, which was hilarious. Um, that's what's up. What episode was that? The homophobia at Penn one. Mm. Cool. I think it was titled um, "Dick or Lunch." Uh. I saw that. I saw that. Very. Uh, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> tell us okay. a little bit more there about was, yourself. There was a riot. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. What, don't know if there's much to tell. I don't do much on campus, as Ian happily noted in his podcast. Um. Uh, You're just cool in your second semester. Trying to make it to the end. (laughs) Trying to just make it to the end. Cool. Um, Yeah, so Steph and I um, stayed together um, with our friend Danielle in Cuba, and then Farah and and Giovanni were also in Cuba with like different groups. We bumped into each other, hung out a little bit, but also had like our own separate adventures. Um, And there was just so much going on, like culturally, politically, that we really wanted to have an episode or just a moment in time to like debrief and decompress that whole situation and there was also just like hilarious stuff going on um <laughs> namely that out these, here in Cuba. okay strangers in cuba that's like topic number one because people <laughs> immediately when we touch down we're just wandering around our neighborhood this man comes up to us well everyone there was like America, America, Nueva York, Nueva York, like, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. And we were just, like, nodding our heads. So, like, because it was right on the money, like, all of us except for me. But So he le- this man who's, like, really dark-skinned leads us to this, like, building, but it's so 
dark. We're just like, where are we going? We go up these stairs, and we're like, it's an adventure. It's an adventure. Like, we're just going with it. We go, and it's just like this, like, restaurant, but it's, like, very open, and he's just, like, chatting with us. He knows English very well. He's, like, chatting with us, and, like, we're kind of wondering, like, why he isn't just, like, leaving us alone. He's like, no, this is where all the Cubans eat. So we're eating, we're eating, like, it's a good time, but he's, like, not eating. He's just there with us. Um, and that's, like, maybe an hour into our stay at Havana. And yeah, like, very what? indicative. People would just, like, want Show to up. take you somewhere, but not want anything out of it. And it was just a very different lifestyle. There were also just times where people were taking you somewhere that they probably didn't even know where they were going and thought you were just down <laughs> to be walking around. Um, but, yeah. Um, do you want to tell the waiter I mean, story? Oh, I will tell that waiter story in a second. But I also want to comment on the stranger situation. There were multiple times where Tisha and I, like, were... Tisha is the person I went with who is also Tisha, um, Taylor and Stephanie's roommate, by the way, for the folks listening. Um, Tisha and I would be walking around and someone would, would just, like, come out here and be like, Oh, at Tisha, you look like Beyonce. You trying to buy some cigars? And we'd be like, <laughs> What? <laughs> They come out of like out of the clear blue sky, and so one man did try to lead us into someone's living room to buy cigars off of their like living room table. And I was like, "What?" Oh my gosh! People were kind of confused about you two traveling together, right? Because they very. thought you guys were like together, but weren't sure. Yeah, mm. people were very confused. Also because Tashay, like, depending on how she's doing her hair, what she's wearing, she can give those Cuban vibes. So mm. people were like approaching us, speak speaking Spanish. Spanish to her. I would be the one responding in Spanish to Shay not speaking any Spanish, and everyone would just be sort of, what's happening here? What's good? What's good? <laughs> just what's good? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there was the time that Tashay and I went to this place, like, twice for happy hour, and um, <laughs> there was this security guard man, nah, he was the doorman slash waiter. Trying to get people to come. Trying in. to get people to come, right? So, and he, he, like, got Tashay to do some salsa dancing. And then encouraged us to come back later that night. So you brought the whole gang back. So I brought the whole gang back. Which included me, Tay, Danielle. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, what, five of us, right? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, no, I'm the only Spanish speaker in this group. Danielle. Oh, Danielle, too. That's true, that's true. Danielle was there. Um, but Danielle also <laughs> was taking a more passive role in the Spanish-speaking situation. She's like, you <laughs> like, got it, you got it. True. <laughs> We're getting there at, like, midnight. So it's, like, prime time. It should be popping. We're getting there, that place is empty. Dead. Empty. There's not a soul except for one table of old-ass Europeans. Just, it is dead. This man, trying to keep us from leaving, throws on we're an on apron. Our, we're on our way out. <laughs> throws on an apron and starts swinging his hips all over Stephanie. <laughs> and of course, Stephanie's like, yeah, sure, we'll stay. <laughs> so we go upstairs. <laughs> go up the stairs. He leads everyone up the stairs. He's like, I'll give you guys a strip show if you buy drinks. And we're like, what is even happening? I so, was like, I guess. Like, Steph was out, out here. Steph was out Steph here. Steph was about it. It was so, like one of our last nights. I was like, sure. True. So the waitress <laughs> the waitress was trying to get us to have drinks. We're all speaking in Spanish slash English, trying to decide on whether we're going to have drinks or not, trying to decide if we're staying or not. Steph being like, just stay, chill. It's the move. Let's stay. <laughs> Ride the wave, ride the wave. And Tay's over here like, it's a vibe. It's such a vibe in this restaurant right now. So this man, we don't even order drinks. This man comes out of the bathroom, no shirt on, just the apron and pants. And does this whole little routine and then slips his nipple out. 
So he starts feeling uncomfortable because we're just laughing. We can't then even we make felt words. Bad. Yeah, we were just laughing at him. Like, no one was like, ooh, yeah. Like, we were just dying just laughing. Just dying. He gets Falling uncomfortable and it's other. like, why are you guys laughing? Like, oh, no. And then goes back no, in the bathroom. No, but before then he I even goes really back bad. in the bathroom, he the pops, pops on onto the table. table. Oh, and he starts, like, the table. A quick little Chris Brown take you down move. And then, um, so then he goes in the bathroom. I feel really bad. I'm like, oh, no, we just, like, laughed at someone who is, like, giving us their all. And then, <laughs> um, turns out he actually, out. turns out he actually didn't, he wasn't, like, ego-phased anyway. But then the night escalates. <laughs> escalates outrageously. So, first of all, we're walking down the stairs, and Tasha falls onto Stephanie. With my broken ankle. No. Stephanie's over here on her ankle, on the stairs, about to just re-break everything. Tasha scrapes her hand. We get down the stairs. We're like, okay, this is a, this is a hot mess. Let's just get outside. And this man pulls Tasha aside. Stripper waiter man. Stripper waiter man pulls Tasha aside, and he's like do you have a boyfriend type thing? There's like a conversation happening. He doesn't speak English very well. She doesn't speak Spanish as we covered. So we get outside outside and this man is like, are you guys going to come back? Speaking to me in Spanish, are you guys going to come back? Are you guys going to come in and like have happy hour here again? And I'm like, I, maybe, I don't, who? <laughs> he pulls me to the side and he's like, you need to come back because... I just, I need to see Tasha. he didn't know Tasha's name, but he's like, I need to see her again. She has such a beautiful smile. She has such beautiful hair. And that's like, you know, red flag, as like this is racial. Ha- as, is, as, as this is happening, a homeless man walks over to me, Danielle and Taylor, and he's like, what's your name? I said, my name is Maria because that was my name. He'd really been drinking, but he was being fun. <laughs> and he was like, oh, Maria, like I have an M on my chest for my mom. My mom's name is Maria. Shows me his tat. I was like, oh. Okay. He, like, has a broken, like, glass bottle. He's like, do you want a shot of this, like, rum? I was like, no, like, I don't. Like, sweetie. But the whole Tashay situation is happening simultaneously. All these stories unfolding at the same time. Taylor and Danielle are, like, dumbstruck watching both of these things unfold. They're watching bystanders. I'm, like, diplomatically trying to translate this man's, like, sexual advances toward Tashay. Because he's like... I want to show her some of my salsa moves and some of my secret moves. Let's start with the salsa moves. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Shay's over here like, what's happening? And then she has her scrape on her hand. So I'm like, okay, let's, we need to go because her hand hurts. You know, she almost fell there. Oh, we just, it's, oh. And this you know? homeless man is inching closer to me. <laughs> so. While Taylor and Danielle watch. <laughs> so stripper waiter man pulls up to Shay's hand and like kisses it centrally. And he's like, I'll make it feel better. Like, like, whatever. Oh, no, you will not, sir. No. <laughs> Please get away. Yes. Right before, right? he just, like, goes, he kisses Shay on her forehead and then goes for the mouth. Just, and like, so makes, does the homeless man tries to kiss me. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> <laughs> wait, so a corral, like, forms, like, on the street, like, a crowd of Cubans. They're like, oh, like, everything. <laughs> it was a collective gasp. Like, he, like, gets my neck. I'm like, help. Like, and then we're like, we gotta go. We okay, gotta go. but also, from, in. like, the bystander perspective, I was, like, seeing through some people that this guy just, like, went in to kiss Tasha on the mouth. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> I guess it's all happening in real time. And I think everyone kind of was, like, looking that direction, which is why the homeless man was, like, free for all. Actually, it's like he witnessed the stripper waiter man go for it. And he was just like, oh, yeah, like, this is the move. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> like, no. He got you on the neck. Like, kind of. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he did, and then it was just was a collective, ah! 
<laughs> and then the every, all the like, random people on the street were like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> I cannot. Um, anyway, so strangers are just, they do whatever. Anyway, I also. The eye contact. The eye contact? Oh, yeah. If you, I actually appreciated this about Cuban culture that, like, there's a certain element of, like, oh, if we make eye contact and it seems like we're both about it, like, one of us is going to, like, say, like, make some kind of move that's like, oh, what's up? Are you about it? And, like, if you're not, it doesn't have to go that much further. And it, I thought that was cool. Like, And there's also no leagues. Like, there was no such thing as, like, people being out of each other's league either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was... Clearly not with the street person approaching <laughs> Stephanie. <laughs> We're on the same team. Wild. It was we made eye contact, so I, I just made the advance. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was mm. crazy. Oh um, did you guys have strange interactions with, like, people on the street? <laughs> Nothing like that. I had some wonderful interactions with, like, the Churro guy on the street. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Churros were good. But um, I think a lot of our interactions came from, like, like experiences that would normally be super transactional ended up being like prolonged relationships of let's like learn about each other or let me tell you like where I'm from and like what my like world view is and like mm-hmm. extend this like conversation in the pharmacy to half an hour or like take my time like like I'm this docent in a museum but actually I'm going to just leave for like 20 minutes to show you like where the bank is and where you can get a taxi to oh, the yeah, that did yeah, to us too. yeah. So it's just like, um, I was thinking a lot about that, like normal transactional experiences that are extended, and if that's like unique to Cuban culture, or if that's like, like a like a Latin American Caribbean thing. But then it's not like that in Trinidad, you know. It's mm-hmm. not like that in other. Or maybe is it like a touristy thing? I don't think so either. So um, the experiences that I'm thinking about are... So Ale, I was with Alejandro Utria, uh, <laughs> who's been on this podcast. Yes. Um, we were there for shorter. We were there for five days, and we stayed in Vedado. And, and we bumped into you. Yeah, we amazing. bumped into each other. Um that was such weird and great timing, too. It was, because we had been walking all day, and we were like, let's just let's just take a rest mm-hmm. here. Like, this is a lot. And then we were like, wait, like, is that far in Alejandro? Because like, we were talking, I think we were talking about, like, American clothing, or, like, how the Cubans we were with, because we just met, like, three random boys, they, like, were like, yeah, we could tell you guys are American. Like, ah, ah, ah. And we are like, how? And he was like, by the way, you dress. And then... I think someone pointed to you and was like, oh, like, she's American or something. And then we look up, and it was Farah, and we're like, oh, woo. She sure is. Well, actually, you're not, right? No. (laughs) (laughs) My visa is about to expire in two months. (laughs) That's it. We're fine. We're We're freaking out. We're freaking out. We're good. We're good. (laughs) A little precarious, but we're good. Yeah. No, that's interesting, because I was being perceived, normally I'm perceived as, like, South Asian. Oh, yeah. I can see that. But I was getting, like, oh, Mexican or, like, Ecuadorian and, like, other things um, that Does I... you speak good Spanish? Yeah, I speak good Spanish, and I think because I was with Ale, mm-hmm. and because we were, like, speaking Spanish, we were speaking English, like, most of the time, but, I mean, like, on the street and things and just, like, 
with people we were speaking Spanish. And I think it's like, oh, like pan brown people, like where are they from in Latin America? Um, which mm-hmm. was really interesting, actually. And then like my response, like, oh, no, like, soy de Trinidad Tobago. Like that would kind of throw people off. And then they'd be like really intrigued. But then they would like go to Ali and be like, oh, where are you from? And then, and then his whole story is just Yeah, like... yeah, exactly. But he would say, he was saying that he was from Nicaragua, which they were really interested by because of like the parallel history um, and just kind of allyship between um, like the Sandinistas in Nicaragua and um, the Revolutionary Party in Cuba. So, like, they were, like, more intrigued by that than, like, Caribbean-ness, mm. which I thought mm. was really interesting. That's interesting. Did you guys check out the Revolutionary Museum, or uh, Museo de la Revolución, or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, that was really, really cool. I mean, I don't know. I just found the whole concept of, like, what happened in the revolution to be, like, mind-boggling to me. And I had known, like, on paper mm-hmm. what happened, but then to really be there and like be in old city Havana where the buildings look as though like if we were in a capitalist society like this building is like very elaborately designed and it's probably going to be like a store wealthy person's home but it's like an average person's home with like a barbershop running out of the living room and like Mm -hmm. it was just Mm -hmm. that whole thing was really amazing to me but also like yeah I don't know what did you guys think about like, the way that played out. Well, with the Museo de la Revolución, I really found it interesting the, like, how expensive it was just right off the bat, like, the entrance fee, which just, to me... Wasn't it five? It was, it was eight, but it was, they had two different entrance fees. Oh, if for If you were the Cuban visitors. national, it was only eight <coughs> seupe, the national mm-hmm. currency, mm-hmm. right? And if you're a foreigner, it's eight seupe. Which is like eight Cuban, which is a convertible peso, which is eight dollars, right? So I found that interesting. And I found it a commentary along with like a lot of following that trend, like w- having people walk around trying to sell like Che T-shirts and like Fidel hats and like this other stuff. I felt like it was all the whole commodification of the revolution. Mm. Like let's package the revolution nicely and mm-hmm. sell it to the tourists that are coming, partially for beaches and sun and whatever, and partially for this idea of Cuba as this, like, revolutionary place, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I know that you're coming at, on your vacation to enjoy your break, but you're also coming because you think Cuba's cool, right? And you think it you're cool, an alternative, too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's sell you that, right? Let's sell you this Fidel hat with the red star on it. Let's sell you the, the Che face t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Let's sell you the entrance to the Revolutionary Museum for, you know, a pretty expensive price relative to, like, other museums in the city and relative to other museums in the mm-hmm. world, actually. Mm-hmm. It was also interesting to me that there were um, pretty explicit, um, like, condemnations of what, like, U.S. foreign policy has been towards Cuba. Like, it wasn't sugarcoating that at all um, in the museum. Um, and so I, I thought that was, like, interesting, the way that they're clearly at the personal level of, like, interacting with us on the street, like, very friendly, <coughs> like, interested in the idea of us being American, et cetera, but then, like those kinds of things like the Revolutionary Museum, it's very clear where their politics lie. Like, they're not confused about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't end up going to the Revolutionary Museum, but one morning in Matanzas, I went to a public library on the main square. Mm. And I spent, like, two hours just kind of, like, thumbing through, um, like, poetry, but 
mainly revolutionary literature. Mm. And it was fascinating because it was all published, like, early 70s. Um, And then I found this series that was, like, specifically for Cuban youth. And it was, like, a retelling, like, a revisionist history of Cuba, but also a telling of the revolution and how that played out. And just, like, the... Like, the visual language of it, like, how the books were designed and the pictures that were included and, like, the captions of it, I thought were, like, super, super, um, they were just so pointed and they just, like, were so explicitly, like, propagandist Mm. um, in that they were, like, our, like, brilliant leader, Fidel, like, converting a group of farmers to the revolution. Um, shortly after speaking with him, they all uh, took up arms and joined the force. And, like, mm. like using that kind of language. <coughs> and I was like, yeah, join the force. You join <laughs> farmers. Like, you take up that, like, <laughs> like spare and use it to seize the means of production. Mm. But, um... <laughs> Direct but, but, from Karl Marx right, here in this podcast. Thank right. you. <laughs> um... But just that it was, like, for youth, and it was, like, an entire series, like, to explain that history, I thought was, like, really interesting. Hmm. Another? Sorry. Were yeah, you gonna I was going to talk about my favorite museum, which is the Orisha Museum, which we kind of just, it was, I don't think it was on the plan, but we kind of talked to someone, and it was, like, very close to our apartment, so we went. And I'm in African Rhythms, and we play a lot of Afro-Cuban music. Hey. And our, my last show was this weekend. Very sad. Um, we play a lot of Afri- Afro-Cuban music, and we're kind of summoning these Orishas when we play the rhythm and sing and dance. But do you actually see that? Also, there was a performance that evening, and it was, like, an all-woman group- bata group, and I played the bata, so that was, like, also really cool. And they're also singing the same songs we sing. And I was like, well, they were just, like, exponentially times were better than us. And I was like, being here, seeing this performance, I, like, was tearing up. Like, it was amazing. And also, yeah. Tay and Danielle were dancing. <laughs> like, the woman, the woman brings, like, Taylor and Danielle, like, on the stage, and it's amazing, so beautiful, and... Yeah, it was, like, such an invaluable experience. And I really want everyone in in African rhythms to be able to go there. I think I'm going to try to set that up, like, slide some spectrum funding around. (laughs) (laughs) I was Um, really interested by the Museum of the Orishas, too. Tisha and I ended up going, and I was interested mostly by the, like, syncretic practices, right? Like, taking the Orishas present in these, like, in the slaves that were brought over, like, their practices um, and mixing with the Catholic, you know, saint imagery mm-hmm. and the iconography, really fascinating to me, like, going through and sort of reading on the plaques. And we also had... Um, and the huge sculptures. The huge just, like, really sculptures. Beautiful. And one of the um, museum attendants, one of the docents or something, she just decided she was going to give us a whole little tour. And she did. And she was like, yeah. And, you know, when I was growing up, we also, when we went, whenever my mom took us to church, even though we have been practicing... Like these Yoruba religions for, for my whole my family is like as long as back as we can remember. Even when we went to Catholic church, which we still did, we knew that we were praying to the Orishas represented in these saints. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, very interested by that whole process and that mm-hmm. whole concept, the conceptualization of these two religions as not being necessarily distinct, mm-hmm. but as related. That interested me. Mm-hmm. I saw really amazing music also at <laughs> Kaihan de Amel. So it was this like alley that had been 
essentially carved out and made into this artist space. Um, when we um, got there, um, we saw the art, people were hanging out, but the performance was over. And um, these um, like boys who were probably Afro-Cuban, like, yeah, they were Afro-Cuban, were chitty-chatting with us, hanging out. Then we saw this, like, group of white tourists passing by, and we were like, um... I was like, so, so what's, what's up with all these, with like, them? white people? Like, <laughs> white, jokingly, like, what are they doing? And they're like, what? Like, what? What? what's wrong with that? Like, what's race or something like that? Yeah, which was a very interesting element of our trip there because multiple people, um, black people, young and older, um, had discussed with us the fact that they don't believe like racism or exists exists there um which i obviously am like very very skeptical about and we definitely noticed a lot of preferencing like lighter skinned cubans in terms of like beauty standards but um once they explained to us that like everyone sort of has like a similar amount of wealth here and like you can't really stigmatize race based on like economics um like that seemed to make sense but it was just so interesting how like adamant people are age people are age about i've never encountered that in my life talking about race is not very important to us well i guess also so many people so many cubans have um like some like like colorful identity <laughs> as like part of I don't know. Didn't you and Tashay talk to some man about like race and he's from Jamaica? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um we spoke to Carlos in um in Plaza de Armas. There's like the park there and Tashay and I like that was our spot. Like whenever we felt like not doing anything or just like hanging out, whatever, reading our books, chilling. We just went and hung out in this park, and we ended up seeing this guy a couple times. And Carlos, he's, like, third-generation descendant, like, third-generation Cuban descendant of, like, Jamaican um, migrants to Cuba. And his he was essentially saying that, like, yeah, a lot of people say that, but racism is still just as real here as anywhere. Yeah, he said, essentially, like, we don't have the police out here killing black people left and right, but, you know, racism is still a problem. It's still a problem if you're, like looking for housing it's still a problem if you're looking for a job it's still a problem Mm -hmm. like if you have if you wear like natural hair and like have dreads or something or like locks or like whatever Mm -hmm. it's still a problem when like trying to navigate society Mm. that happens in Trinidad too that we are like oh very mixed and um yeah we have like all people of color um in positions of power like in the parliament or as business leaders and like all that kind of stuff but there's a lot of internalized um racism and like colonialism and how we like regard ourselves um a lot of like respectability politics a lot of colorism and i think i kind of experienced that in cuba with people asking me about race in trinidad actually because they i had two separate people ask if there were a lot of black people in Trinidad, but the word that they used was like negritas, which is like the diminutive form of and like and feminine form of like black person. It just didn't sit right like when they asked that, um, and it was so it was definitely like kind of sexualized and like othered, but also like yeah, we're a c- 
Caribbean island. Like, y'all want to recap this little history that like, we had with forced migration mm-hmm. <laughs> and like dehumanization of people. Like, mm. no, yeah, no. Um, sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you think y'all Havana Club come from? Like, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that was a weird word. Dope. So sounds like if you're listening and you were about the things in this conversation, you should definitely make your way onto that. Those little airplane apps where they tell you how to find the cheap flights. Yeah, I mean, we have a full itinerary um, in Google Docs, so we can share that. That's that. Um, cool, but thanks for coming on, y'all. Thank you, guys. Thank you for Thank having us. This was In The Cut, hosted by me, Stephanie Hodges, and Taylor Hosky. We were edited and produced by Joyce Varma. This podcast was brought to you by The Daily Pennsylvania. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode.